part of that future of manufacturing is going to be digital manufacturing, or as you said, digitation of manufacturing. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely what we're seeing really from, from both manufacturers, but a lot of what we're seeing is actually almost coming from the outside, which would be tech companies that see manufacturing as the next frontier for them to be engaged. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts. Business owners, metalworking experts, and guys who get dirty on the factory floor, Jim Carr and Jason Zanger. Now, let's make some chips. Hello, Metalworking Nation. My name is Jason Zenger, and this is Making Chips, where we equip and inspire manufacturing leaders. And I'm here in our downtown Chicago studio with my good friend and co-host, Jim Carr. How you doing, Jim? Hey, I'm doing great. It's Friday afternoon. Yes. Beautiful day. Weekend's about to start. Yeah. We got this extraordinary uh, episode we're recording. It's an audio video. Yeah. We're going to have to get used to this because we're going to start doing more once we get the studio up and going. How do you, how do you like the vibe so far? I like it. You yeah. know, I mean, I'm, I'm comfortable. You know, yeah. I, I could care less what people think of like- You're very you camera know, ready. You know that. What's that? You're very camera ready. Oh, thank you, Jim. Yeah. Are you are you complimenting me on my looks? I am. I Thank am. you. Yeah. You're yeah. also a lot younger than me too. So. <laughs> it's true. That makes you more camera appealing, isn't that? Why all the they always <laughs> everyone have a, on TV is yeah. 13 years old, right? That's why they always have a 20 year old playing like you know a 50 year old part, you know, because <laughs> so, they just look better. <laughs> That's true. So anyway, no, not seriously. that you look bad, Jim. You know, thanks. So. Thanks. For an old guy. Yeah, for an old guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, so, I mean, it is kind of a different, it's a different feel. I mean, yeah, it you know, is. we're here yeah. and we're, yeah. we're, you know, this is like 73 episodes in of doing right. this audio thing. And, and now we're doing something where there's a camera pointed at our face and yep. there's a lot of lights and mm-hmm. uh, it's a little different. It is. But I can, fun. Get, I can get used to it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So what do we want to talk about first? you have manufacturing news to talk about? Are we, we going to go forward? Uh, yeah. No, yeah. I got some manufacturing <laughs> news. And everybody knows, everyone that listens to the show regularly knows how you I get my manufacturing. Your, how do I get my manufacturing That you news? snuggle your phone at nighttime. Yeah. That you. <laughs> well, you just go, I mean, you just go on Google and you click, you type manufacturing and you click on news, right? News.google.com. Oh, is it? Okay. And then you can customize all the news that you want to get. I mean, if you want entertainment news or specific mm-hmm. news or... Oh, so you have it customized for you specifically. Yeah, I do. Okay. So when I click on that link, all the manufacturing news that's relevant today shows up on that. And that's what I do. You don't even have to type manufacturing. It just don't comes up automatically. It. It's automatic. Okay. Once I log into my Google account, it's, it's, it's right there. It just clicks and then I peruse down all of the headings and I find the ones that interest me. So just in case, you know, you're up in the middle of the night at two in the morning, one click and you're at, you're at your manufacturing yeah, news. But I never do that in the middle of the night. No, you don't. No. I do answer emails. <laughs> your wife must hate when you do that kind of stuff. <laughs> I don't think she cares anymore. No, she doesn't. She's, a, she's numb to it. By a now. little bit. A little bit. <laughs> I don't know if that's a I good will thing tell you not. though, last night I did wake up in the middle of the night and I said, if Jason Sanger sends me a text message in the middle of the night that says, I'm in the hospital with my wife Amanda and she had the baby and we're going to have to scrap today, I would not have been happy. Yeah, I know, but it was a valid excuse. It's about as good as excuses get. I agree. And it's a good one. Yep. But anyway... Back to manufacturing news. I did find a 
particularly interesting article. Yep, I just brought and it this up. This is in Forbes. Oh, you got it up on your screen yep. too. So they're they're talking about this Trinity steel pipe manufacturer in St. Louis. I lived there for four years while I was in school. That's where you went to school, right? And they're, like I said, a steel pipe manufacturer and custom fabricator. They have about 160 people and do about $100 million in annual revenue. They make big infrastructure size pipes and structures. They've been doing well, but they're chalking up their recent success to the CEO, Robert Griggs. He went to an open book policy. We've talked about that. Took on Cozy. Okay. Did you see that in the article? Oh, okay, yeah. I actually they, they I, began working with a firm called Cycle of Success Institute, known as Cozy. Cozy coaches helped Trinity create a system in which employees flag obstacles and bottlenecks and figure out how to solve them. You identify a problem, put it on the list, monetize it, and prioritize it. And maybe I thought that would be a good segue well, I, to what I know you're the, doing. Yeah, I, well, I know the founder of Cozy, actually. And I know this system that they're talking about where they identify the problem, put it on a list, monetize, and prioritize it. I'm very familiar with that system. Can you give me a little example of how, how you would do that or, or um, how I would do that? Okay, so w- what you do, I mean, this this goes back. We don't use the Cozy system. So when I learned it, it go, this goes back like a couple of years. Okay. Um, we use a different s- system for the same type of thing, but it's called IDS. And... The way the COSI system works is that once you have, once you identify a problem, you put it on a list such that you um, you say, okay, this is our top priority because if we solve this problem, we could put a million dollars in the bottom line, or we could put a hundred thousand dollars in the bottom line, whatever the number is, and then you put together a. Um, kind of a cross-functional team in order to solve the problem. So if there's some kind of bottleneck in your organization, you you know, you know get like you know a couple of people from the plant floor, maybe an accounting person, maybe somebody else in order to bring some diverse ideas in order to solve that problem. So yes, I am familiar with that. And I know that I, I remember the founder of Cosi talking about um, a client that he had in St. Louis, Missouri that he, that oh, he frequented. I so, wonder if this was the one. It probably. Probably yeah. is. Yeah. But, but th- it's a good system. You know? Yeah. So I mean, he... All, the article also goes on to say that they share their P&L statements, you know, their sales, what yeah. they do, and they a, get everybody on board for accountability and sustainability. I, I love the whole open book management yeah. system, and I, I actually want to move towards that mm-hmm. as a company. It was made famous by Jack Stack, who wrote The Great Game of Business. Mm-hmm. As you know, I'm big book reader. You are. He basically took a, a company that was ready, a, a factory that was ready to be shut down. And instead of shutting it down, all the employees got together and they really turned the company into something great. I love by, success Yeah. I like mean, that, by, and then everybody just, took part in ownership and they shared the books and they said, here's our problems. And everybody rallied together and they solved it. And and it's, it's just a, an amazing story. It's like a, a business novel. And I think that there's that book and um, another book about the theory of constraints mm-hmm. um, written by, I think, an Israeli gentleman, that, you know, two famous manufacturing books that everybody should probably read. Very so, good. Yeah. Great article. So, you know, I'd like to share with the listeners and the, and the fans and the metalworking nation out there. Again, we keep reiterating this, but we really think that we're going to be doing a fantastic job of facilitating two days worth of workshops right around IMTS, one of which is going to be a mastermind series mm-hmm. on Tuesday, September 13th. And one is go- the next one is going to be a workshop on Wednesday, September 14th, both downtown Chicago, both manufacturing centric. The first one, 
the Mastermind series is going to be like a a small six to eight person chief executive business roundtable discussion where one person is going to go in the hot seat for about an hour, share with that small group of people their pain that they're having in their business right now, and get feedback from all the rest of the participants on what that person can do to solve their problem. Because you know, as I know, when we all get together and we're like-minded people that work in like-minded industry and have been through a lot of trials and tribulations together, we have a world of wisdom when we can take all that information and offer it to you. So I think you said uh, you're going to actually cry during that. I'll try and get one in too. But uh, I, I'm really looking forward to that. And then the next day we're going to have a, a, a workshop. You want to go ahead and explain to the listeners what the yeah, workshop is? Yeah, so the, about? what the workshop is, is the workshop would be actually putting pen to paper and you know writing down, typing, whatever it is. Five, I think we have about five different concepts, stuff that we've talked about on the show and putting it into action. So one of them that we've talked about and um, is going to be writing your your story, corporate at, your, your corporate snapshot uh, as a company. And, you know, it's one thing to listen to the podcast episode associated with mm-hmm. it. But there's another thing to actually doing it. So we're going to make sure that everybody does it. Everybody can ask questions in order to facilitate that and get it done. So that when you go back to your companies, you have your corporate snapshot done. And then you just have to you know, post it and make it look pretty after that. But we're going to get the nuts and bolts of, of these concepts finished. Yeah, we're working out uh, the, the schedule and the agenda. Yeah, the it's going to be right posted. Now. It's so, going to be posted or it soon. Is post- I should say it is posted. Yeah, go to makingships.com. Click uh, on events. Click on the events tab and it'll take you wherever you need to go. Um, but we're, we're going to have a pretty VIP guest speaker to yes. open the show, a keynote speaker to open yeah, the, to the workshop. To be announced. Yeah, to, TBD. And then uh, we're going to talk a little bit TBA. about... TBA. To be announced, not to be determined. Oh. Well, whatever. Okay. Sorry. I, don't, I know you like your acronyms. You kind of screw them up sometimes. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, get out your acronym book, Jim. Remember? Did you say you were going to develop an acronym book? I hey, how about a free acronym book for everybody that goes to the workshop mastermind? <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> written by Jim Carr. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, and we're going to talk about business succession planning as well. Yes. Yeah, so I'm, I, it, it's going to be great. Again, makingchips.com. Click on the event tab, and from there... I don't know. Ryan's going to have to figure all that out, the yep. logistics of how that works. Yep. But it'll be pretty clean cut, and they can register right there. Clean cut is not how I would describe Ryan. No? No. Okay. No, look at him. Well, we got to get a picture of him on the Facebook page or something like that. Anyway, um, anything new at your company? What's going on? Oh, gosh. Tell me, um, some, tell me something, thanks for putting tell me me something good. That's going on at Zanger's Industrial right now. Um, I There's got to be something. Well, I would say what, what's what's going really well is that um, I'm not needed on a day to day basis. Is you know my my team is doing. I still need awesome, you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> it's good to be needed. Um, my team is doing an awesome job, and that really gives me the um, the flexibility to be doing things that I love to do, which is you know stuff associated with making chips and really helping to you know elevate the manufacturing industry. And that's been just really fulfilling because I used to be. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say a micromanager, but I used to be very controlling. I guess of you know making sure that everything filters through me. But kind of now everything is being done without necessarily me having to you know I guess micromanage those things. So it's it's a good thing. Good for you. So I'm a recovering control freak, and it's a, going, a recovering and it, micromanager, and it's going yeah. really really well. 
Good. You know, so I'm very happy. And Aren't you curious? It actually makes going me on? sleep better at nighttime. Oh no, no, no! I find out what's going on. I'm still, I'm still in the feedback loop and connected. It's just that I don't have to directly control. My team's doing a, a great job, and I, I don't have to, you know, worry about every single little task. Do you get CC'd on every single? Oh email? gosh, no, no, okay. no, 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 no! I just get a feedback loop. So. Okay. You know, so I make sure I understand everything that's that's going on, but it's more like and a it's all high level stuff. They're yeah. not going to task you with something that's really minuscule, right? Right, right, exactly. So I mean, because I'm actually not very good at get, making sure those things get done. Like it was kind of funny because we're in um, we're in our leadership meeting and we're talking about like going to more of a, a paperless system, and <laughs> I was like, well, how come we don't have this done yet? And and my sister was like, well, because. I gave you all the information that you asked me five years ago and it just sat with you and <laughs> nothing ever get done. I was like, well, that's the problem is that I'm not the best per I'm, I'm good with the ideas, but I'm not the best person to get things done, which is, you know, kind of how we this, work well yeah, this, yeah, you and I work well and yeah. you know, my sister's doing a good job to step up and get those things done too. And all the other people on our team. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, that's just not, that's not my strength. That's not my unique ability to like actually get things done. I can, I can get things started up. But then I, I kind of like get bored and like, all right, what else can I do? And I get distracted. Yeah. So that you know. I, I, I respect you for knowing who I am, knowing who you are. Yeah. A lot of people my strengths don't. are. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think that that's one of the keys to creating a high performance company is really putting everybody in their unique abilities and knowing who they are. Mm-hmm. So, You're right. Which could be a whole nother subject matter for us to talk Sounds about. Sounds like a future podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So, hey, I'm really looking forward to talking with our guest today. Uh, he's got a, a lot of wisdom behind him. Super, super smart with regards to uh, shop floor analysis and implementation of special technology. Are you going to let me introduce him? I thought I was introducing this guy. Well, I'm just talking about him. I will let you introduce him, Jason. <laughs> I'm not going to steal the show. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you have a little piece of this one. But uh, no, I, I have talked to I've talked to Je- with Jeff Rizzi from Sandvik. See, is, there you go. Yeah, you, I, you yeah, just, yeah. You just did it. You but I've talked. To, I, got, I had the pleasure of talking with him on the phone the other day, or and a few weeks ago too. And we always had we had some robust conversation then. And I said, I'm. I think it's gonna we're gonna hit it out of the park with this episode because there's gonna be a lot of people that want to know about this new technology and. Um, Take it away. Jason, okay, would so you, you do please introduce... introduce our VIP guest <laughs> today? So um, Jeff has been in the manufacturing industry since the 80s. Does that sound correct? And um, he started off on the shop floor. You, you've worked for companies, Mazak, Emerson Electric. You're currently working at Sandvik Coromont. Jeff has been with Sandvik Coromont for 21 years. His title now is Senior Manager of Business Development. As we all know, business development could mean a variety of things, but we're going to get into exactly what Jeff does. So he's responsible for the development of calculated initiatives is what they're calling it. Focus on future business needs and the creation of new revenue streams, either mergers, acquisitions, or organic revenue streams that come out of the company. So in addition to those things, he's also responsible for to promote the future of manufacturing. These are initiatives within the organization that help to identify and track industry trends. And I know that Sandvik, just from talking with Sean Holt, the president of Sandvik Hormont, very big on those future trends. I mean, you guys always try to stay ahead of the industry, you know, really see where things are going. So Jeff has extensive experience in international strategic planning, implementation, working to drive and support key initiatives of manufacturing customers. So Jeff, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, welcome. Welcome. Thanks, Jeff. Jim. I You're appreciate right. it. Uh, really excited about uh, the opportunity and uh, joining the show. Yes. 
Thanks. Well, we're glad to have you here today, and uh, I hope you got your parking. We we, do, we we can't validate your parking. Yeah, it's uh, not a problem. Without okay. validation? No, yeah. no validation here. <laughs> I, I found a spot. I'm good. Good. Thanks. I'm, I'm glad about that. But anyway, you know, uh, again, Jeff, the few times we've talked on the phone, we've had some really good, robust, I, I feel as though we're aligned on uh, the knowledge and the wisdom that we've had over the decades in the industry. But when Jason was reading your bio about you, I was going to start off with something else, but I thought about this as a lead-in to your episode, what is the future of manufacturing? Because your bio says he has responsibility to promote future of manufacturing. And I thought that was pretty bold. <laughs> and I'd like you to just elaborate on that a little bit before we get into it. Yeah, I mean, it's quite bold. I mean, I guess maybe a better description is I'm, I'm the eyes and ears and, and promoter of what Sambic Coromont's looking at for the future of manufacturing, right, from the U.S. perspective, right? So I'm, the, I'm feeding information. I'm, I'm bird-dogging, you know, various technologies, various trends and things like that to basically help us set our strategy. So you're kind of like the hub and spoke of the information channel as it relates to the future of manufacturing. Correct, correct. As we develop a global strategy, I'm, you know, as, as we all know, the U.S. leads most things when it comes to manufacturing, sure. trends and technology. So it's so important that we're feeding back what we're doing here into the global strategy. That's so, a good answer. Okay, yeah. great, great. So with that said, part of that future of manufacturing is going to be digital manufacturing, Correct. or as you said, digitation of manufacturing. Yeah, is that is that the subject that comes up most often? Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely what we're seeing, you know, trend-wise really from from both manufacturers, but a lot of what we're seeing in as far as the digitization and digital in manufacturing is actually almost coming from the outside, which would be tech companies that see manufacturing as the next frontier for them to be engaged. Because you've already seen, you know, this digitization of other industries, transportation, banking, things of that nature. So now we're starting to see this, this, you know, the tech companies are saying, okay, here's another area for us to go. Yeah, so they're getting into, you know, producing sensors for the manufacturing industry and stuff like that. The problem is, is most of them don't understand manufacturing. Right. Especially they don't understand understand metal cutting, and that's where we have to actually help drive that. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, when Jim and I visited Mazak in Kentucky, we really saw... A lot of that digital, digi- I can't even say hey, the word. It's a tough The one. digital yeah. manufacturing coming in. Yeah. And we've also been to the digital manufacturing lab here in Chicago several times. DMDII. The DMDII. Yeah. Right. Which we're, so we see that. As well. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Of course you would be. So, you know, it, from being a small machine shop owner that's been in business for many, many years, when, when I hear all this this language that we're using or, or you're using or we're going to be talking about today, it it doesn't frighten me, but it seems to me it's so futuristic. So what I'd like to do is just kind of break it down to that, you know, I, I often think when Jason and I are recording the podcast, there's there's a small machine shop out there in the middle of Nebraska that is struggling to be better every day. And he's listening to the show, and we start talking about digital manufacturing and digitization. 
Good I job, Jim. That was I know. perfect. Did, did I say it right? Yeah. Okay, good. And I, I, I kind of want to break it down for that individual to, to, to let him know that it's not something to be scared about. It's something that if you really implement into your business and you take seriously and you cross your T's and dot your I's, you can be highly successful. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's going to be just like we see in a lot of other industries where, you know, you're going to have these early adopters that are going to run right into all this, right? Um, but you're, you're, we're going to have to take steps. And those who don't start taking the steps really will end up as the, you know, uh, you know, the old uh, video, you know, game. All the VHS. VHS stores, right? And the, the old stores that have basically, you know, the, we, we basically say they'll go the way of the milkman. Yeah. Right. I mean, well, like manual machining. You know. Well, absolutely. I mean, one of the things I always, you know, tell customers. I mean, it's never too. If you're like a like, let's say, an old screw machine company, and there's a lot of them still out there, mm-hmm. it's never too late to buy a Swiss machine to start producing parts that can be produced right. on a CNC machine. Correct. It's never too late to jump in there. There's so much information is so readily available that it's not like, oh, well, I missed the boat. I can't learn how to do that. Of course you can. Of learn. course you can. There's there's so much information out there in order to learn how to get into the game. Yeah, you know, I think I think the key, for, you know, for like you said, the small shops are is to kind of cut through the noise, right? Because you know what I've been doing is, I've been listening to all the noise in the last two years, and there's a lot of conceptual things going around around manufacturing, and what I'm finding the big challenge is is people are talking in in, in kind of umbrella terms around manufacturing, but they don't really distinguish between process manufacturing and discrete manufacturing then they certainly don't distinguish when they get into discrete all the way down to the machine shop. What, right? Why don't you define for our listeners yes. um, process versus discrete manufacturing? Um, you know, process would be, you know, maybe chemical, right, fuel, things of those nature, even like uh, Food. baking where it is, it's just processing right. products and so forth, where discrete would be certainly, um, you know, welding shops, uh, shops like you guys have, right, where you're actually machining components, things of that. Yeah, so I'm Things of that nature. Okay. Right. So the real challenge is, is getting down into those verticals and, and really breaking down. And you know, I'm, I'm not really concerned personally with manufacturing in general. I want to know how digital manufacturing is going to affect the machine shop. Because right? yeah. that's so the making chips community. Right, where yeah. we live today. Yes. Enlighten right. us. Enlighten me. So, I mean... It really is for me probably this three-step strategy, okay. right? You've got your short-term. I'm going to write them down. Right. You've got your short-term low-hanging fruit. There's things that you can do today to improve your business. And then there are things that are in already in development, right, that are your midterm things that are going to change the way you run your shop. And then you have this long-term vision, which is really the scary part, you know, where we talked about before. This is where you start talking about autonomous control of your machine tools, right? Machine learning, you know, machines doing things on their own, making their own decisions based on what they're learning as they as they run their process. As, right? as data is collected. As data is collected, it's analyzed. And it can automatically respond absolutely. to things that are happening. By history, by history. Exactly. Yeah, it could adapt. So, like, I I think, tell me if this is uh, an example. Like, if you have a robot that's picking up a piece, it doesn't have to pick up the piece in this exact spot right now. It could be in this general area. It can get it over here, over here, over here, and bring that into the process. That would probably be a very basic form. Yeah, I mean, it could be something like that, but it could be something like, actually, the robot learns over time, there's a better method of okay. picking up the piece, and there's a better order to picking up the pieces and stacking them and bringing them 
Or for me, you'll take away some of the manual, um, the things that we already do today, and those things will be decided instead of by a person, they'll be decided by a machine, but also it could be the person who's deciding, but with the input, right? The knowledge that the machine gives them, right? Sometimes it's not about replacing the human, it's actually making the human better. You could just make quicker decisions. You can have five machines that you're making better decisions and better decisions. Better decisions for sure. We don't want to get scared about we're going to replace people right out of the shop because you're going to need them. Well, there's going to be less people in manufacturing in general. You know, in, I mean, available. So right. we need to replace the shop floor with robotics and for right. sure. And automation. And Absolutely. automation. But yeah. the ones that are there, you want to make sure they're making the right decisions at the right time, right? Yep. Based so, on, on data. Right. Data and history. Right. So can you give me an example on how I would just start in real time, real world ways that I can start digitizing my small machine shop? Um, Small, uh, because baby steps forward. Yeah. What would be like one or two of the first key steps? And I've shared with you, you know, the size of my company and the type of equipment that I, that I have there. Tell me, what I can do because I don't I don't think I have any of those processes in place right now, but I'd like you to share. With it's like me. where do you start? Where do you start? And what does it do? I mean, we we, we hopefully the end result is going to be more profitability, better uh, process control, better quality, all of the things that we aspire to do. More on time. And, yeah. Yeah. Like- yeah. I mean, really, the digital trend is really about bringing efficiency into how you run your shop. The way you actually process a component, the way you actually bring it from, you know, this CNC turning center to this CNC milling machine, right, and do the work, that doesn't change. But the way you actually control the process is really what's going to be digitized. Okay. Right? And that's how you're going to control that. And how you actually measure your OEE, right, or your overall equipment effectiveness is really going to change. Today, a lot of shops, and this isn't the wrong way, but it's just because of the way we've done it, the way you understand whether your machines are running is you, you, you go out of your office and you look out on the shop floor. No, I listened. I listened. If the, you if listen, the, right? if the end mill's cutting the metal, yeah. that's how I gauge right. it. You hear it. I you hear know, it. right? But yeah. you can also look out and you see your little green light spinning yeah. uh, or the red light spinning, and yeah. you start asking questions. Well, an easy way to actually address that is is to hook your machine up and pull data right from the machine because the machine actually has sensors on it already that are going to tell you is the machine in cycle. So all of those signals that show you the green lights on a yellow light, you can pull that data remotely and pull that to a, you know, maybe a remote server or some other thing and run analysis on it. And by having this... And that analysis would be the machine sat idle. So in a 10-hour shift, that ma- I'm, just, I'm just bullet pointing what, what that data looks like. That machine was on, powered on for 10 hours. It sat idle for eight the spindle was on for cumulatively an hour, and but you, yeah, and you can even tell. I mean, what the spindle speed was? Were you were you on Were you one hundred percent override? Did your operator turn it down? Wow! Is your feed rate down? Is your coolant pump turned on? I mean, all of those things you can actually read because were they utilizing censored. the coolant through the spindle? Correct. Yeah, I, all I, of that. I smoked a drill. Oh, why did I smoke that drill? I don't know what happened. Well, let's look at the data. The, you didn't have the coolant. It's kind, of, it's kind of they like the black put, box. They forgot to put coolant in the coolant tank. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> For whatever reason. But even those kind of things, we can talk about a little later, uh-huh. those are all solvable with, with digital and with sensors. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I, you, you shared that with me, but I, I just want to get it out. 
so okay, so now now I'm kind of building this in my head, and I'm seeing because I'm I'm visualizing a job that's running in my shop right now, and it's pulling all that data. It's it's telling me in real time exactly what that machine is doing, Correct. all that criteria about the program, the way it was running, the RPM, the coolant. I, what what are you in about tool pressure? Yeah, I mean, today, and that's kind of this middle step, right, where you're going to be able to, you know, because today when we talk about OEE, we only talk about it in terms of are my machines in cycle or are they not in cycle? Okay. And and for us as, as a tooling company, we think that there's much more information we want to know. We actually want to know is the machine in cut? Right. Not is it just in cycle, but is it actually cutting chips? Because as we know, that's the only time you're adding value. You know, if your if your machine's in cycle and you're not cutting chips, you're actually costing your company money. Right. If so, you're not making chips, right. You're if not you're making not making money. chips, you're not making money. Right. Exactly. Heard that before. So so the technology's coming to actually address that as sure, well. Sure. Sure. So you said it, this is available in most of the CNC machine tools out there now. How do we extract that information from that CNC? Okay. So. Like in, I, I recently bought a new CNC machine. Do you think it's brand new? Do you think that that technology is in that machine? That are you I'm, able to talk about the brand? Haas. Okay. Yeah. I'm not familiar with if Haas has already done this or not. Okay. But I know most major machine tool companies have already adopted and they're equipping new machines with what they call MT Connect. Okay. I've heard that before. compliance. Right. Well, Jason? you also have Mazex, Jim. Right. Yeah, I do have a Mazak too. Yeah, so I'm sure my Mazak and my Haas. Right. So up till about two years ago, the trick to actually hooking up your machine, it wasn't a particularly scalable solution. You had to actually hook up every machine in a, in a unique way um, because of the way that the, the actual you know, connectivity happened, but also the language that the machine talked was different. If it was a Haas or a Mazak or, or a DMG they, Mori, right. it literally had a different language. Of course. And you know, the, the, the code for the doors open is different on every machine. Exactly. So, but two years ago, through the industry, we created this MT Connect protocol. And what that essentially is, you know, this isn't going to be the best way to describe it, but essentially it is a translator that allows all the machines, regardless of what brand it is, to talk the same language. So when you're pulling the data, it pulls it in the format that everybody can read. Does MT stand for machine tool? Yes, machine tool. Put that in your acronym book, Joe. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it was designed specifically for CNC machines, but it's actually now being applied to almost any machine tool. Okay. Is that exclusive to Mazak? No, it's not exclusive. It's an industry. It was actually developed under the, I would say, the umbrella of AMT, right? And several industry partners. I mean, multiple machine tool builders were part of it. You know, tooling companies and customers were part of the development of this new protocol hmm. and it, you know it's really changed what's possible now from a scalability standpoint okay so we start harvesting this data from our cnc machine tools i mean obviously you're let's we're going to be using mt connect right correct to take that data and we're into it by about three months now and we say, you know, I think we got enough data that we can analyze it and we can make process improvements why don't you give us an example of what those process improvements could be? And more importantly, how does Sandvik fit in with these process improvements? And how is Sandvik 
helping us machine shop owners to take this digitization and make it relevant. Okay. So the answer to the second question, okay. I can kind of, I can kind of piggyback okay. off the, off the first, but you know, these improvements that you'll make, I'll, I'll give you a little sample of what I've already seen happen. We talked about this at one point, but uh, you know, uh, Bazak has basically put MT connect in every machine in their factory down in Kentucky. Okay. I mean, I don't know how many machines they have, hundred, a couple hundred, right, in their factory. It's a big factory. It is a big factory. Um, and what they did is they put these machines in and, and utilizing some standard OEE tracking software, mm-hmm. right? They're accumulating all this data, and now they're able to kind of look at it and identify, I would say, trends. anomalies or trends and yep. things like that. Okay. So in one particular situation, they, they looked at, this job that they were running, they couldn't figure out why sometimes on that job it would take, you know, whatever the time was, 10 minutes. Sometimes it's 30 minutes. Sometimes it might be an hour. And what they found is as they started analyzing the data, there was a spot in the job that sometimes it would literally sit idle for two minutes. It might be 30 seconds. It might be 20 minutes. And they didn't know why. There was nothing uh, succinct about it. There was nothing succinct about it. So that actually led them to go out there and find out what was going on, right? So because they noticed that there was this anomaly. And what they did is they found out that they had a program stop in the the program. And if the operator happened to be standing right by the machine when it happened, he just pressed the button and it moved on. If he was setting up another job, it might be 10, 20, 30 minutes before he got back to press the button. That's not efficient. No, that's not efficient. The real funny thing is, is there was no reason for the program stop to be in there. Right. They, they believe that it was in there when they did a when they were doing the troubleshooting. Right. When they when they first programmed it. Right. And when, nobody ever took your it prototype, out. Prototype. Prototype. Right. So we we in our shop when we often do our first piece. Right. Because we're we're a little you know we're t- we're taking it slow. Right. We're single blocking through the program. We put an uh, MO1 at the end of all of every yep. single tools to, to kind of analyze the tool and see what it did. Make sure what everything's did, good. What did it do after that cut? Kind of preview the, the next tool in the program before it actually comes out and starts cutting. So I can see how that happened in this scenario yeah. that you just and mentioned. nobody ever questioned it no. for however long wow. until they literally had this empirical data saying, why is, wow. why is this job so erratic? So it's a real simple, low-hanging fruit type of a solution that can be solved pretty quickly by literally looking at data and picking out anomalies. You know, yeah. and from there you can go even deeper. They I'm were, sure you would have to. They, you know, they were they were looking at an operator because all their operators are clocked into jobs. So they found an operator who was like 10% more efficient than any other operator, and they wanted to know why. Right. They're looking at this guy's jobs and they're like, why is this guy so good? So they actually sat and watched and understood. And then they used that to train all of their other operators to be more efficient. Very interesting. So they're interesting. You know, they're training internally within with one of their own people. And and this isn't stuff we couldn't do by just standing out there in the shop floor and watching ourselves. But can you do it 24 hours a day? No, you can't. Right. You You know, this is costly. Right. It's costly. Yeah. But with the data, you can actually run it, look for anomalies and then go look. Okay. Great explanation. I've got a really good vision in my head of how, how this all works. How does Sandvik fit in this picture with regard to digital manufacturing and digitization of it and collecting that data and what we can do? Okay. So 
Where we're headed with this is number one, the data itself is really strong for us. We want to know, like I said, the difference between in cycle and in cut. We believe that with the right sensor data down in the actual cutting zone, we can actually provide more information. If you think about the sensors in a machine tool today, they all are basically from the spindle nose back. Everything right. is outside of the cutting zone, and we think we need more information down in the cutting zone. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be an area that you'll see a lot more focus for us is, is providing additional information, additional sensor data that is not currently possible through the machine tool. And when you what say, kind of, oh, yeah. I'm sorry, what kind of, yeah, what kind of data specifically are you, are you collecting That's in exactly the cutting what I was piece, ask. Um, in if, the piece you're cutting? Yeah, it's kind of all the data that we already have when we send a really good machinist or a really good, one of our good technicians out, right? They listen, right? They can, they put their hand on the machine, <laughs> they feel vibration, yeah. they see the chip formation, right? So they're using their eyes. The real good ones are the real, you know, smart aleck ones will, they'll sniff it a little bit, right? Pretend like they're doing something, but they know right they know but the, all of that information can also be detected with with sensors right isn't that um, cool you know here's an example i can have a sensor on my machine tool that tells me that my coolant pump's turned on i can have a sensor at the gauge that tells me i have a thousand psi but i don't know that i have a chip in the back of my through coolant drill and there's no coolant coming out with a sensor in the tool the tool can tell the machine I'm ready to go rather than the machine assuming it's ready to go. Think about the problems we have now in the machine shop with something as simple as a through coolant drill. Right. right? Oh, if you don't, if you don't, if the coolant's not flowing, that that drill is going to just And by the time die. your operator realizes the coolant's turned off, it's what? too late. You're, You're four or five inches down coolant, in a hole. Those coolant through drills are going at 40, 50 inches a minute You're or done. more. You're right. gone. If you don't have coolant down there on the nose of that drill, it's cashed. You're done. And even today, you know, the technology, when you when you start drilling, we've made the tool changer so fast, changes into a new tool, wrapping down to the part, and the coolant's not coming out yet. Right. Right? And We so sometimes we, program a pause. We program and, a dwell. Yeah, right? dwell. And it's the machine that tells it to dwell. With the right technology, the tool can actually say, machine, I'm ready to go. Work it back, you, just like what you, you said. You release the hounds, right? I have coolant now. Go. Yeah. Um, so the, it's a, One of the most important right. aspects of that cutting that's going to happen is the coolant. Is the coolant through. So once that's enabled, it sends a signal back to the machine tool, say, let's, now let's do it. Now let's do and it. We're ready. We're, we're ready, ready to, to go. start my sprinting. You can, do what you, you, you can do what you're supposed to do now. But, you know, and that's the kind of thing in the technology that I think from a SAMVIC standpoint that we can solve those types of problems. Mm -hmm. and, and, and even other sensors, you know, and, and information about today when we use tool life technology, it's the machine that's telling the tool that you're done. I'm going to change you out. Even if the tool is not done, right. we think that there's better ways. We think the tool should tell the machine, I'm done, change me out for a new one. It's a completely different completely way to look different at way it. to think. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, we I know customers that might change out a tool before it's actually at its end light because they don't want to crash. They don't want to. They don't want to crash the holder. They don't want to have to you know redo everything that they need to redo when a when a tool crashes. Yeah, and because yeah, the, if the, the sensors can tell you, I'm there. I'm at like ninety eight percent. Change me out. Correct. Yeah, because the difference is is you know on good material I might get fifty pieces. On bad material I might get forty pieces. So. We always, so they're taken out at 30, and there's plenty right. of tool life left. and there's plenty of life, right? But if the tool knows that it's good, just keep on going. Yeah. What a difference. That's they're great. flipping it. Yeah. So the tool is telling the machine, uh-uh, I'm done. Yeah. Rather than relying on the operator to make that call Correct. or 
data history and data from the past that we've run that job. We use that two inch shell mill with five indexable carbide in it. We can, we're good for 30 pieces. Then we got to index the carbide. Correct. I mean, it might even get to a point where you can say, I've got five inserts in it. And for some reason you chipped in it one, one insert. You don't have to change all five of them. Potentially, potentially. You just change the one that's bad. And, and but if you don't get it quick enough, they're all going to go. They all it's, go. They all go. Right. So you're saying that Sandvik has that type of sensing equipment within, or or they're developing it right. MT Connect has that within their system. Well, MT Connect is the is the vehicle to pull the data from right. the machine tool. The sensors and the extra technology is really something that's in development that you would see down the line. You know, some so other, this is other all technology. like kind of future. What we're talking about now, it's not necessarily available. Um, no. MT Connect is available. Today. No, I understand, right. but like yeah, the but te- the the yes. scenarios we're talking about now, that's we're not quite there that's yet. That's kind of like that midterm, right? That stage two level that we're talking about, right? Okay, because right. okay. that's important to know if somebody's like, "Oh, I want this right now." It's it's not quite available yet, Correct. but it's being developed. Correct. Very cool. Very interesting. Um, I think that's all we have. Yeah, I think we're out of time. Ryan, are we out of time? Ryan's shaking his head, saying. Uh, we have no more time. So uh, I think we're going to cut it right now. And uh, Jeff, I just want to tell you, uh, you know, the short period of time that I've got to know you, I, you know, I really admire what you're doing for the industry, yes. for the future of manufacturing. And we need more people to be forward thinking. Yeah, to be and, thinking about what, what that's going to look like in the future. I love yeah, it. It I really is. I mean, yeah. that's great. I appreciate that. I mean, for me, it's been really exciting. You know, I'm an old shop guy, so me too. It's been a little scary, but also really exciting. Well, you seem—I so. mean, you seem to really know your stuff as it relates to digital technology. So it's very impressive. Yeah, I seem to, anyhow. <laughs> You're good at faking it. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to connect with Jeff on LinkedIn or have any questions about digitization. You're, you're good. Getting I am. good at that, I'm Jim. At, I, yeah, I'm thinking about it. Uh, you could connect with Jeff on LinkedIn. Is that is that an appropriate yep, that's way to way. connect with you? Uh, it's Jeff Rizzi. That's R-I-Z-Z-I-E. He'd be happy to connect with you and answer any questions you have about the digital manufacturing revolution. Yeah, where where would be the best place to go to find to read more information? Would be at Sam Cormat's website, the AMT website. Yeah, I mean, IMTS. Yeah, IMTS is going to be a great place to do that. You know, because I think you're going to see a lot of uh, a, a lot of talk around digital, not only with the manufacturing companies, but with software companies, they see this, as I said earlier, as the next frontier. I mean, everybody really needs to go to IMTS. I, yeah. I, I think a lot of people say that trade shows are dead, but I that think IMTS not. is different. No. I mean, you really got to be there and you got to talk to your peers and be in that community and really see what's happening. Right. Absolutely. Well, with that, Jeff, you know you. our slogan? If you're not making chips, you're not making money. Right. Bam. Bam. This podcast exists to improve the manufacturing industry. We want to hear from you, the owners, managers, leaders, and engineers from the metalworking nation. What ideas do you want to share and what keeps you up at night? We want you to take something away from this podcast that you can use to improve your company, your team, and yourself. So let us know what you want to hear and we'll see you next time on Making Chips. 